Welcome to the Just What I Needed to Hear podcast with Yoga Farm Ithaca, where we teach you how to live the principles of yoga both on your mat and off the mat in the living curriculum of your precious life. In the, in the tradition of Tibetan Buddhism, there are, there's a beautiful, beautiful piece of artwork called the, called the Wheel of Life. And that depicts very graphically. <laughs> um, it's a cool image. There's this big like fang guy, Yama, who's holding it. And he's got, he's like, and it's got all the, all the levels and the layers. And right at the center, there's a pig, a rooster, and a snake. And they all represent a root. Again, this is, this is where translation isn't always optimal, right? But in, in this tradition, they're called the three root poison, are some scaras. They are the seeds um, that... Well, in, in, the, in the Wheel of Life, these three animals represent um, desire, attachment, uh, and, and anger or, or greed. There's different versions of what these three animals represent. But they're the seeds of our suffering. So here's what I can say on the most, and then I'll bring it back to where you're, what you're talking about with the afterlife. For me, number one, don't ever believe anything anyone says as truth. First of all, Truth can never be described with language. Truth is outside of the mental body. And that's a whole other conversation. And more importantly, it's direct experience. So I, it's my longing that because I teach the difference between the basics between thoughts and emotions and not speaking in a way that says, this is the truth. He's sharing, always my preference is that someone answers any question with, well, from this tradition, this is the cultural view, or this is the belief. It's not a truth, what he's describing. It's, it's a view. It's a belief. It's a system. And here's the most important part. Everything that's taught in any religion is useless unless we take the concept and apply it to the prince in, in, in the curriculum of our lives exactly as they're unfolding. So when I hear that, and I studied Buddhism for Tibetan Buddhism for many, many, many years, I ran the Dalai Lama's monastery. Um, the most important part of the wheel of life right? So for example, there's the animal realm, the human realm, the demigod realm, the god realm, the hungry ghosts. You can find all these realms right here in your own life. Demi, uh, demigods are the people, for example, like celebrities that the, the assistants and the people that hover around a celebrity, they're the, they're the demigods. They're not going to be the gods, but they're the ones that circle and hover around. The hungry ghosts are, um, is, is a way of describing like the addiction realm. So all of these realms, it is much more useful to apply them. And so go back to what he said. You move up according to your, I'm going to put it in language that you're used to me using. 
Can't we all find throughout our day, depending on how we react or respond to the living moment, we either step up into and act from a higher level of our of consciousness or awareness, or if we're hangry or tired or anything else, right? We find ourselves sliding down into like the jerky realm. <laughs> it's much more important to focus on how does this information apply to my, how can I apply this in my own direct experience and see it, see it metaphorically playing out and in your own experience in your life and in the lives of others. The only point to even under, to, to viewing a model like this is to deepen us in two things. Through that model, it would be to deepen us in wisdom and compassion. In another model, it would be everything is designed to afford us access to our balance of love, wisdom, and power, and not power in, e in an egotistical way. Krista knows what I'm talking about. Power, hello. <laughs> so now, as it relates to the afterlife, again, I'm just going to share with you a view or a perspective. It doesn't mean it is the truth. Run like hell from anyone, friends, that says, oh, this is what happens. Even Anita Morjani, who I adore, I listened to her amazing story. For those of you who, who aren't familiar with her and this, in this subject interests you about afterlife stuff, she had a terminal illness and it radically reversed itself when she had a, a near-death experience. And, and I also like, I like her work. And more importantly, I like the work of Eben Alexander, because he had a near-death experience where the part of his brain, because of a very unique type of meningitis, he was so ill that it turned off the part of his brain that could have generated imagery. So his story is very, very interesting to read. Um, Proof of Heaven, Eben Alexander. Um, so... What I, what I think is very likely true, because from so many traditions, I, I hear that time when we, our soul is not embodied is experienced very differently. That linear time as we know it is not the same in the afterlife experience. I would recommend um, I, I, uh, I recorded an episode, some of you may, some of you are, who are older in my generation, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 50. Uh, remember John, John Edward, he did the show many, many years ago, crossing yeah. over his mm -hmm. books are really actually excellent. I re I did an episode with him, um, very recently on his, his network, John, John Edward about soul yoga and connecting to how do we connect with, uh, our beloveds on the other side and connect through soul yoga and process grief. So I recommend uh, reading some of his stuff. It, um, and lastly, here's two more things that I wanna say. This is important. Remember, we can't ever measure another person's grace or state of grace. Like we can describe on the outside of oh, this person was the salt, like Jesus salt of the earth. And this person like eh, made some really fucked up choices. You wanna clean that up? please read the book. Some of you know, this is like on my top five. Um, 
The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. Please read that book to, to start to tease apart how we literally cannot ever measure another person's state of grace, even by their actions, even by what we perceive on the outside. There's a, there's a, 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 a little, a famous little story about, I'm going to use the word whore because it has a good effect. There's a priest and a whore. And they both look out, uh, they're across the street from one another, and they watch one another's comings and goings, right, throughout, throughout, the, throughout time. And, and, and the prostitute, she, uh, she, just, she just sees him, like, coming and going, and people coming to see him, and, and she's got such, such kind thoughts about him. Like, she's like, man, he is just... What an amazing soul. He just helped so many people. And now we're now in the mind of the priest. And I'm not generalizing here. This is just a story. And every time he looks out the window and sees her, he's like, oh, how utterly disgusting. What a disgusting soul. So in the end, they both die. She finds herself in a very different place. <laughs> then he does. He's like, why the hell am I in hell? <laughs> and it's like, well, dude, your thoughts, your thoughts. He li- like, we live in hell in our minds, right. right? She lived so loving. Her thoughts were so loving. Her thoughts were generous. Her thoughts were grace-filled. So I've always loved that story wow, do I really believe this because it's what I've been told? Or do I believe this because it's my direct experience? That's one of the most important questions we can ever ask ourselves. Do I believe what I currently say I believe because it's my direct experience or because it's what I've been told? It's like, it's like let's clean slate it so we can actually now discover what is our embodied direct experience. We cannot access God through beliefs. It's only through felt direct experience. So the purpose of yoga, you could say, is to embody the transcendent in your direct way. And it's going to be unique. It won't be like anyone else's direct experience of the transcendent or the divine or the force or God or Papa Smurf or whatever you want to call it. Now, I also don't believe for two seconds, my belief, not truth, um, in the tradition of Kashmir Shaivism, they would say entirely differently that, no, 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 you you don't ever regress. Like, you know, if you do enough jerky things, it's not like you're going to come back as a pickled onion. You just that you just kind of keep on trucking from where you're at and you have your journey and you just keep on going like Groundhog Day. Notice in Groundhog Day, Bill Murray, that's like the, one of the best documentaries I know. Groundhog's Day, which was um, very much based on the very esoteric work of Gurdjieff. It's it's an excellent, excellent movie. Like, like that's a representation of uh, incarnations. Isn't every day, this is why you always hear me say, it's like nod, nod, wink, wink. Uh, Every day we're born anew. All that ever matters is who we're being today. Your whole incarnation is today. Then we do that magical thing called go to sleep. Other, in other words, we're dissipating back into the emptiness from which we arose. How astounding and mysterious is that? Hello. And then we regenerate in the morning for a new day. 
start to view your day as an entire lifetime, just like Bill Murray did. And notice he didn't transgress. He either stayed the same. You just kind of keep repeating the same patterns or you shift something in you. You go back to the YTT lesson of drop, leave it, like get over it, change something in you or end it. Or the autobiography of five life and five short chapters, right? Like, so that is a much more worthy application of our obsession and and inquiry than trying to figure out the answers to these things, which we, we don't know. So be open, follow the rabbit in the direction that you're curious about and and just hold it all in an open hand. Hold it all in an open hand and test and explore for yourself what resonates with you. And when someone shares very adamantly what they perceive as the truth, I just, I thank them. Thank you so much for sharing your view. I never use the word your truth. That is one of the biggest disaster phrases that has come into the spiritual communities. I'm speaking my truth. I understand the genesis of it is to empower many people to speak, to speak, (laughs) to actually say, my voice matters. I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak what's truthful for me. And when we say, when we use language of, well, I'm speaking my truth, it shuts shit down because people are like, oh, like I'm not supposed to step on somebody's truth. No, it's your view. It's your perspective and you're entitled to it. You're entitled to your view. You're entitled to your perspective. You're entitled. This is your birthright and it is the birthright of others to have theirs. Now, some views are shared just because and never questioned. They never even questioned their views. They just, <laughs> unquestioned, you know, it's like a vomit. And, 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 and the more we take time to be aware of what we speak into being and hear ourselves talk or write or type or text, it's like, wow, I just really asserted something. Do I really believe that? Is that my direct experience? Can I replace speaking my truth with, I'm, speak, I'm sharing my, my perspective? Because what that does is it leaves open for, and you have your perspective. Is through many traditions, the simplicity of the, the, cause, the causes and conditions that we are born into are those seeds of our samskaras that are the result of latent memory, desire, and karma. And what's most important, what's applicable right now, you don't even have to believe in incarnations to, again, apply this to the living moment of your life exactly as it is, is it is our dharma to be in harmony with our karma. What that means is to be, to be awake and alive and non-reactive, non-resistant to the living moment exactly as it is. And this is where our growth is, moving from reactivity to response ability is being in harmony with our karma. Our dharma is to be in harmony with our karma. Our sole job, our growth is to be responsible for our inner state, regardless of what's going on with the circumstances, the plot twists, the cast of characters, exactly as they are. And it doesn't mean always be fake calm. It means be truthful and don't do harm to others 
with words, with action, when you're agitated. That's a full-time job. That's a full lifetime job. 